Section 6 of Violets and Other Tales This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Violets and Other Tales by Alice Moore. Section 6. Tighty. It was cold that day. The great sharp north wind swept out Elysian Field Street in blasts that made men shiver, and bent everything in its track. The skies hung lowering and gloomy. The usually quiet street was more than deserted. It was dismal. Tighty leaned against one of the brown freight cars for protection against the shrill norther, and warmed his little chapped hands at a blaze of chips and dry grass. Maybe it'll snow, he muttered, casting a glance at the sky that would have done credit to a practiced seaman. Then won't I have fun. Ah, but the wind blows. It was Saturday, or Tighty would have been in school, the big yellow school on Marini Street, where he went every day when its bell boomed nine o'clock. Went with a run and a joyous whoop, presumably to imbibe knowledge, ostensibly to make his teacher's life a burden. Idle, lazy, dirty, troublesome boy, she called him to herself, as day by day wore on, and Tighty improved not, but let his whole class pass him on its way to a higher grade. A practical joke he relished infinitely more than a practical problem and a good game at pin-sticking was far more entertaining than a language lesson. Moreover, he was always hungry, and would eat in school before the half-past ten intermission, thereby losing much good playtime for his voracious appetite. But there was nothing in natural history that Tighty didn't know. He could dissect a butterfly or a mosquito-hawk, and described their parts as accurately as a spectacled student with a scalpel and microscope could talk about a cadaver. The entire third district, with its swamps and canals and commons and railroad sections, and its wondrous, crooked, torturous streets, was as an open book to Tighty. There was not a nook or corner that he did not know or could tell of. There was not a bit of gossip among the gamins, little creole and spanish fellows with dark skins and lovely eyes like spaniels that tighty could not tell of he knew just exactly when it was time for crawfish to be plentiful down in the claiborne and marini canals just when a poor breadless fellow might get a job in the big boneyard and fertilizing factory out on the railroad track and as for the levee with its ships and schooners and sailors oh how he could revel among them the wondrous ships, the pretty little schooners where the foreign-looking sailors lay on long moonlit nights, singing gay bar carols to the tinkle of a guitar and mandolin. All these things and more could Tighty tell of. He had been down to the gulf and out on its treacherous waters through Ede's jetties on a fishing smack with some jolly brown sailors and could interest the whole schoolroom in the talk lessons, if he chose. Tidy shivered as the wind swept round the freight cars. There isn't much warmth in a bit of a jersey coat. 
wish twas summer, he murmured, casting another sailor's glance at the sky. Don't believe I like snow. It's too wet and cold. And with a last parting caress at the little fire he had builded for a minute's warmth, he plunged his hands in his pockets, shut his teeth, and started manfully on his mission out the railroad track towards the swamps. It was late when Tighty came home, to such a home as it was, and he had but illly performed his errand, so his mother beat him and sent him to bed supperless. A sharp strap stings in cold weather, and long walks in the teeth of a biting wind creates a keen appetite. But if Tighty cried himself to sleep that night, he was up bright and early next morning, and had been to early mass, devoutly kneeling on the cold floor, blowing his fingers to keep them warm, and was home almost before the rest of the family was awake. There was evidently some great matter of business in this young man's mind, for he scarcely ate his breakfast, and had left the table eagerly cramming the remainder of his meal in his pockets. I wonder what he's up to now, mused his mother as she watched his little form sturdily trudging the track in the face of the wind, his head, with the rimless cap thrust close on the shock of black hair, bent low, his hands thrust deep in the bulging pockets. A new snake, perhaps, ventured the father. He's a queer child. But the next day, Tighty was late for school. It was something unusual for he was always the first on hand to fix some plan of mechanism to make the teacher miserable. She looked reprovingly at him this morning when he came in during the arithmetic class, his hair all wind-blown, cheeks rosy from a hard fight with the sharp blasts. But he made up for his tardiness by his extreme goodness all day. Just think, Tidy didn't even eat in school a something unparalleled in the entire history of his school life. When the lunch hour came and all the yard was a scene of feast and fun, one of the boys found him standing by one of the posts, disconsolately watching a ham sandwich as it rapidly disappeared down the throat of a sturdy, square-headed little fellow. "'Hello, Edgar,' he said. "'What you got for lunch?' "'Nothing,' was the mournful reply. "'Ah,' Why don't you stop eating in school for a change? You don't ever have nothing to eat. I didn't eat today, said Tighty, blazing up. You did? I tell you I didn't. And Tighty's hard little fist planted a punctuation mark on his comrade's eye. A fight in the schoolyard. Poor Tighty in disgrace again. But in spite of his battered appearance, a severe scolding from the principal, lines to write and a further punishment from his mother tidy scarcely remained for his dinner but was off down the railroad track with his pockets partly stuffed with the remnants of his scanty meal and the next day tidy was tardy again and lunchless too and the next and the next until the teacher in despair sent a nicely printed note to his mother about him which might have done some good had not Tidy taken great pains to tear it up on his way home. But one day it rained, whole bucketfuls of water that poured in torrents from a miserable angry sky. 
too wet a day for bits of boys to be trudging to school so tidy's mother thought so kept him home to watch the weather through the window fretting and fuming like a regular storm cloud in miniature as the day wore on and the storm did not abate his mother had to keep a strong watch upon him or he would have slipped away at last dinner came and went and the gray soddenness of the skies deepened into the blackness of coming night someone called tighty to go to bed and tighty was nowhere to be found under the beds in corners and closets through the yard and in such impossible places as the soap dish and the water pitcher even but he had gone as completely as if he had been spirited away it was of no use to call up the neighbors he had never been near their houses they affirmed so there was nothing to do but to go to the railroad track where little tighty had been seen so often trudging in the shrill north wind so with lantern and sticks and his little yellow dog the rescuing party started out the track the rain had ceased falling but the wind blew a tremendous gale scurrying great gray clouds over a fierce sky it was not exactly dark though in this part of the city there was neither gas nor electricity and surely on such a night as this neither moon nor stars dared show their faces in such a grayness of sky but a sort of all-diffused luminosity was in the air as though the sea of atmosphere was charged with an ethereal phosphorescence search as they would there were no signs of poor little tighty the soft earth between the railroad ties crumbled beneath their feet without showing any small tracks or footprints let us return said the big brother he can't be here anyway no no urged the mother i feel that he is let's go on so on they went slipping on the wet earth stumbling over the loose rocks until a sudden wild yelp from tiger brought them to a standstill he had rushed ahead of them and his voice could be heard in the distance howling piteously with a fresh impetus the little muddy party hurried forward tiger's yelps could be heard plainer and plainer mingled now with a muffled wail as of someone in pain and then after a while they found a pitiful little heap of wet and sodden rags lying at the foot of a mound of earth and stones thrown upon the side of the track it was little tighty with a broken leg all wet and miserable and moaning they picked him up tenderly and started to carry him home but he cried and clung to his mother and begged not to go he's got fever wailed his mother no no it's my old man he's hungry sobbed tidy holding out a little package it was the remnants of his dinner wet and rain-washed what old man asked the big brother my old man oh please please don't go home until i see him i'm not hurting much i can go so yielding to his whim they carried him further away down the sides of the track up to an embankment or levee by the sides of the marini canal then tidy's brother suddenly stopping exclaimed why here's a cave a regular robinson crusoe affair 
"'It's my old man's cave,' cried Tighty. "'Oh, please go in. Maybe he's dead.' "'There can't be much ceremony in entering a cave. "'There is but one thing to do. "'Walk in.' "'This they did.' and holding high the lantern, beheld a strange sight. On a bed of straw and paper, in one corner, lay a withered, wizened, white-bearded old man, with wide eyes staring at the unaccustomed sight. In the corner lay a cow. "'It's my old man!' cried Tighty joyfully. "'Oh, please, Grandpa! I couldn't get here today. It rained all morning.' and when I ran away this evening, I slipped down and broke something. And, oh, Grandpa, I'm so tired and hurty, and I'm so afraid you're hungry. So the secret of Tighty's jaunts out the railroad was out. In one of his trips around the swampland, he had discovered the old man dying from cold and hunger in the fields. Together they had found this cave, and Tighty had gathered the straw and brush that scattered itself over the ground, and made the bed. A poor old cow, turned adrift by an ungrateful master, had crept in and shared the damp dwelling. And thither, Tighty had trudged twice a day, carrying his luncheon in the morning and his dinner in the evening, the sole support of a half-dead cripple. "'There's a crown in heaven for that child,' said the officer to whom the case was referred. And so there was for we scattered winter roses on his little grave down in old St. Roque's cemetery. The cold and rain and the broken leg had told their tale. End of section 6 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista